Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, September 4th, and summer is sort of over. I am Ann Ticker, Econa Day's Chief Economist, and with me today are Mark Pender in the U.S. and Jeremy Hawkins in London. Mark, it looks like we've had some pretty good data this morning so far. Yeah, well, let's start off. We had, um, it's been an interesting run for the manufacturing data. We had the ISM manufacturing report uh, this morning, really came in well over expectations, 61.3. This had, this sample had slowed in prior months, but it's just right back at its, uh, and really its strongest uh, form um, with orders rising, backlogs climbing at a faster rate, and employment. Um, and this is a manufacturing sample employment showing uh, strong growth. Uh, but there's also ca- uh, capacity stress issues. I mean, delivery times are, are continuing to lengthen. Um, uh, but e- even though uh, inventories of both raw materials and finished goods, uh, which have been struggling to climb, did climb. Um, but input costs are still very, very, very high in this report, although they're still a little bit lower, right? yeah, uh, less high than they were in prior months. What's also interesting about this report is uh, the ISM tracks 18 manufacturing industries. Now, 16 of these um, showed growth, which is pretty good, but uh, primary metals now for the second time in a row, and this is where uh, um, tariffs are in play, uh, primary metals were uh, uh, a drag on the uh, manufacturing sector. So uh, that's something to keep your eye open on. But the market um, economic sample earlier, uh, released earlier this morning, showed less strength, actually showed a little bit of moderation in the month, as did um, most of the regional uh, Fed reports on manufacturing. So it's kind of a close call on what we can expect for uh, the government's uh, data for the month of August. Uh, and the first uh, uh, edition of that we'll see next uh, f- a week, next Friday, a week from Friday with the industrial production report. But I imagine that the ISM strength, which is very closely watched, will keep up uh, expectations for at least steady growth. Uh, in um, in industrial production. Uh, and uh, we also are getting em- the employment situation report on Friday. And since we'll st- uh, stick with manufacturing, the economy is a consensus for payroll Payroll growth is a very solid 21,000 for this sector. So, uh, and overall, it's uh, 100, the consensus now is 195,000 growth in non-farm payrolls. That's pretty close to 200. And last month, July was a slow month. It was 157, but that's still very, very strong. Um, and we're also looking at expectations for an uptick, an incremental uptick in average hourly earnings, which is a wage a measure, a 0.3 monthly uh, consensus percent, uh, which was the same as the which would be the same as the prior month, with the year on year rate seen going up one tenth from two point seven to two point eight. Now, this if we get a report like this, it will probably cement expectations for a rate hike at the uh, September uh, FOMC. This would be a pretty it wouldn't be overheated report, but it's you know this report has been consistently moving higher uh, and or consistently showing very high rates of uh, labor market strength. And um, of course, the question here, the eternal question is, uh, how deep is the uh, available labor pool? Uh, will we be pulling some people who are outside the labor pool back in? Because uh, the uh, for employment to grow, to continue to grow at this rate, uh, new players, new workers um, have to show. 
And to just real briefly uh, talk about the prior week's uh, data, it was a uh, it was an eventful an eventful week last week. And really, I guess what the um, upshot of that is is uh, a little bit of slowing growth and a little bit of slowing price pressures. Now that's in contrast to the expectations for the employment report. But we did see in the prior month, uh, uh, in July, a little bit of slowing in consumer spending, still really very, very positive, but it's been incrementally coming down. This morning, we got uh, we have uh, unit uh, vehicle sales are coming in. About half the, the totals are in right now for the month of August. This is an early indication on consumer spending strength in August. and. Uh, vehicle sales are kind of what's been holding back uh, the economy or at least the consumer sector and especially the retail sales report. Uh, it's been incrementally growing but uh, in a subpar way. It looks like the early indications are August may be uh, something on par for growth or something subpar for growth. So it'll be interesting to see if the employment report can really show that strength Um even though I think other reports are showing what really is a little bit of a welcoming, uh, welcomed, uh, less uh, hot uh, economy and a little bit of easing uh, capacity stress. Mark, yeah, I know. I think if if I notice correctly, we just had the Atlanta Fed now cast forecast, and they've just revised up their growth forecast for the third quarter to four point seven percent. A, a, what's their track record like? And B, do you think that's mm-hmm. reasonable? I think that's probably outside. I think their their track record is on the high side. Uh, uh, that in the prior week we got uh, initial trade data for um, the beginning of the third quarter, and it was uh, this was on the goods uh, deficit, and it was very very high. So it looks like we're going to get a drag uh, at least initially. We're just at the very very beginning of tracking what the third quarter is going to do, um, but that should probably pull that down. Uh, uh, pull GDP. Uh, you know, uh, pull pull it back a little bit uh, from uh, the exceptional 4.2 percent growth of the second quarter. Uh, the, and as a the bulk of that will be in consumer spending, which I which I've said seems to be slowing a little bit. And but I think the wild card, and maybe that's what the Atlanta Fed is really tracking, is inventories. Inventories are very very low, and especially uh, relative to demand, which is a real big positive for the economy. It, it really a, is a key positive. And some of this was apparently uh, tied to uh, trucking limitations and new trucking regu- regulations, which have been slowing down deliveries. But as w- but we saw the inventories rising a little bit in the ISM, and we saw initial inventories really uh, for July and whole sale and retail sector really pop up strongly. And that will be a positive for um, uh, the third quarter uh, outlook for GDP. So I would imagine the consensus here, looking at uh, the early numbers I've seen, is probably more in a 3% range right now, uh, 3.5% range for um, third quarter GDP, which would be an excellent uh, quarter. But if you want to take out inventories, out of that, then maybe that would be more like in the two and a half percent range. Again, that will all come out with the consumer spending, and like I say, by the end of the day, with August unit sales for vehicles, we're going to we're going to have a little bit of better handle of what to expect for th- third quarter consumer spending. Okay, Mark. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. Um, I, I have a problem with the nowcasts simply because there are several Fed banks that publish them, uh-huh. including the New York Fed, which was closer to the 2.5 number. Uh-huh. 
what is the difference? You know, how can anyone have any faith in these numbers? Well, if actually, there is such, such wide discrepancy in the estimates. Well, it's like our it's like our consensus forecast. I mean, if you look at you have, I guess the uh, you would have pessimists, optimists, and maybe realists in between, or or, or something in between. Hopefully but if you, <laughs> right, if you look at just our, the Econoday's consensus, and this is our panel. Of uh, who we considered, and we've drawn in, you know, uh, w- w- you know, top forecasters, and and we rely on this, and you know, uh, on our record, and uh, the consensus for this month in this group is 150 payroll growth, 150,000 to 237,000, so that is quite a wide range, and so you know, it's uh, uh it's a you know, every economist, I guess, has their own view, and it's interesting to have um, these now uh, casts. And I think how you should look at them, it's just like consumer sentiment or consumer confidence, actual data. These two reports have been going in different directions for the last year and a half. Consumer confidence uh, produced by the conference board has been going through the roof. Uh, consumer sentiment produced by the University of Michigan has been flat. So where do you, how do you judge these things? These are, you know, uh, long established surveys with, with proven track record, records and, and strong samples Maybe you just take something in between. I think that's probably what the you know the reasonable look would be, and and we're, we're having all these different uh, uh, inputs. But I think that that's probably what it is, and that's how I was saying where the, I think the GDP call is probably in the three percent range right now. Thank you. Moving on, talking about trends and and relationships, the Australia has just celebrated its 27th year without a recession, which I think is quite amazing. Uh, The Reserve Bank of Australia has not changed their policy rate for two years. It's currently at 1.5% and has signaled that it's going to remain there for some time in the future. Uh, Governor Philip Lowe last night sounded upbeat about the economy, and according to him, the first half of 2018, uh, the, the economy has estimated to have grown. Business conditions are positive, and non-mining and business investment, which is very important, is expected to increase. Still, the bank was no hurry to raise rates, given that wage growth and inflation remain low. An added reason for caution was a recent increase in mortgage rates by Australia's number two lender, Westpac. However, Lowe did not acknowledge the move in his short statement while repeating average mortgage rates were still lower than a year ago, and he still maintains that the slowdown in the housing market was saying something still and more good competition. Second quarter GDP is going to be released tonight, U.S. time, and it's expected to grow at 0.7% on the quarter for the second quarter and 2.8% over year over year. This is slightly lower than the first quarter of 1% quarterly increase and a 3% annual increase. Moving on to Europe. 
Okay. Um, well, I'll say, as you were mentioning, Australia may not have had a recession for 25 years, but somewhat offside European borders. But notice South Africa has just fallen into its second recession in the last 10 years. And I thought to mention that just in the context of what's happening in emerging markets and some of the implications of that for Europe, and particular for the likes of the Swiss franc. I think unless you've been living in a cave, then it's been fairly apparent that financial markets, for the emergers anyway, have been in a considerable turmoil for some while now. Just last Thursday, we had the Argentinian central bank hiking interest rates by, what, 15 percentage points to 60%. The peso now is still down, what, about 50% so far this year. Um, we've had the Indonesian rupiah at a 20-year low yesterday. Uh, Brazilian rials down more than 20% so far this year. Even Turkey's talking about the possibility of hiking interest rates later, later this month. So emerging markets very much in turmoil. Now, all those currencies are trading significantly weaker, but of course, the counterpoint to that is that some currencies have got to go up. We've been talking about a sort of strong dollar environment for some while now, but even stronger than the dollar has been the Swiss franc. Now, for people who remember, the, you know, the SMB was forced to pull the plug on its uh, lower target limit at uh, 120 against the euro, um, what going on for three years ago now, back in January 2015. We saw the Swiss franc uh, strengthen aggressively. Since when, it's been very pleased to see Euro-Swiss move back up towards the 1.20 area. And indeed, we're at that kind of level back in the end of April time. However, with all the volatility in the emerging markets, we've started to see a fresh flow of capital moving back into the Swiss franc. And as I speak, we're talking what around about 116, 115 now against the euro, um, effectively mean appreciation against you around about 6% or so since its peak period. And indeed, the currency is also strengthened against the dollar itself. Now, why is it happening? Well, I suppose you've got to say that for the Swiss franc, historically, it's always been seen as safe. Its track record on that basis is pretty well second to none. Inflation is always low in Switzerland. And of course, over the long run, that's a key determinant of what happens to uh, foreign exchange rates. More importantly, perhaps, so it's also got a huge current account surplus. So there's no funding problems there when we get global liquidity shortages, which, of course, is always a potential issue when we get this market volatility. And indeed, a government's got a small surplus. Now, you don't buy a Swiss franc for interest rates. I mean, look at the benchmark deposit rate out there for the Swiss National Bank. It's uh, currently minus 0.75%, so the lowest easily amongst all the major central banks. And certainly as far as bond yields are concerned, well, 10-year Swiss franc bonds are currently trading at about minus 0.13%. So again, lowest amongst uh, industrialized countries. Um, but nonetheless, we've seen this capital inflow going into the Swiss franc because of of its safe haven status. And it's starting to cause some real problems for the Swiss National Bank. Um, this morning, we had Swiss inflation update for August. Now, that showed inflation at 1.2%. The good news is that's its highest level since November 2018. But the bad news is if we look at the where the inflation's being generated, import prices going into Switzerland are running at 3.2%. Domestic prices within the CPI are running at just 0.5%. And essentially, they've been flat over the last year. So domestic prices really remain very soft. And the worst case now for the Swiss National Bank, which like the ECB is trying to boost inflation, is that if we continue to see the Swiss franc strengthening, 
is going to weaken import costs and so undermine what has been to date the main boost to headline inflation. So if we continue to see the Swiss franc strengthening, you know, it's going to give real problems for the SMB monetary policy. Now, we're a couple of weeks from what Thursday, we'll have the next Swiss franc, well, Swiss National Bank monetary policy assessment. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they have to say about the, about the level of the Swiss franc. There haven't been too many signs of intervention from a national bank over the course of the last few weeks, but there's got to be a real chance that they may be waiting for the market to become long and then come in and perhaps hit the currency aggressively. So I think for investors, looking at the Swiss francs is just an obvious safe haven call. It may be going to the kind of levels now where you need to be a little bit careful. Jeremy? Um, yeah. Are they talking about the uh, a possible uh, or, or does this raise the possibility of uh, further negative, official negative interest rates for the Swiss National Bank? Well, it's going to be an interesting one. I think if we go back a couple of months or so ago when a Swiss franc was weakening, markets were finally starting to contemplate the possibility, you know, when will the SMB actually raise interest rates? Although that, the expectation was there was not until perhaps the back end of next year at the earliest. Now, though, yes, I think, you know, we've got the SMB pointing out there's two main pillars of policy are one, negative interest rates, and two, its willingness to intervene. So I think if we see intervention coming about and that not working, then yeah, you've got to think that they could actually come out and reduce interest rates even further. Um, the current target ban they have for three-month Swiss franc LIBOR is minus 1.25% to minus 0.25%. And perhaps they'll take another quarter percentage point off that. But certainly, um, it's very interesting times out at the moment. Another question I have, Jeremy, uh, is are, are the Swiss big importers, and this is related to the uh, inflation impact? Sorry, so again, the Swiss... Are uh, are Swiss big importers? Are imports a, a major thing for for the economy? They are. I mean, they have this huge current account surplus, and that's built around um, really exports of financial services more than anything else. But yes, they do lack commodities and everything else. So they have to import them, um, and that's you know one reason why you tend to find swings in Swiss inflation being you know quite heavily linked to what's going on in the exchange rate. Because you know people have been talking about the strong dollar, but that doesn't matter for Switzerland when the Swiss francs are even stronger. So that's helping to keep down the cost of uh, commodity prices going into Switzerland itself. Thank you, Jeremy. Until next week.